Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Well, it is being it, it is being adopted at a at a more and more rapid rate. So uh, we go to tons of conferences. Again, I the podcast All Things Crime that I started is primarily aimed at law enforcement and and engaging people that are part of the investigative community that uh, may also be able to use the system. But we're we're at a point now where it's really fortunate that we know of all sorts of conversations happening all over the country where we're not there. We're not actually pushing it. So if people are, are talking about a particular case, another investigator from a different community might say, hey, you know what? You might want to try the MBAC on that. So the word is getting out. And the investigative community by itself, and not, not just forensics, but law enforcement and even crime labs, you know, it's a fairly small community. And they're, they're really tight-knit. And word gets out. And so that is definitely happening. But of course, coming on shows like yours and helping get the get the word out there, like CrimeCon, where we met, those kind of uh, platforms are amazing because tons of people know about different cases. They know kind of where the status of those cases are. And if they've learned about new technologies, then they'll, they can take those technologies back to their, their law enforcement. And some of them have relationships with detectives and people like that. They can say, hey, have you ever heard of this technology? What do you think about it? Would it be useful on this case? So the the population at large are amazing as far as bringing resources together and, and getting ideas and bringing those to law enforcement because nobody operates in a, in a vacuum. And it's always awesome to get ideas from outside of your bubble. And then uh, when you incorporate those ideas, they they become magic. And you can you can do great things by by doing that. I love hearing that. That is so heartening and reassuring and fantastic. Um, and it makes me think of a lot of different cases where you sort of hear yes of the sheriff that says, "I was just at this conference, and you know, while there, was informed of X Y Z resource, and then we deployed it on this cold case, and then cut to it solved." You know, so absolutely. Um, Hats off to everyone in this industry that are constantly seeking better technology and, to your point, communicating it with others. That is fantastic um, because all boats rise with a lifted tide or however that saying goes. Um, so let's start talking about a few specific applications, which you, you mentioned two earlier. Um, one one cold case in particular, it's my understanding, um, it was a 16-year-old victim named Sharon Schollmeyers, and she was found dead in a bathtub at her apartment in 1977. The cause of death at the time was ruled strangulation, but no suspect was arrested for her death for four decades. Can you tell me a little bit about that case um, and how the MVAC was used there? Yeah, that was a really interesting case. Uh, she was living in downtown Salt Lake City uh, in an apartment building, and uh, she didn't show up for one day. So her boss called her mom and said, hey, Sharon's usually really good at uh, being on time for work. You may want to go check on her. So her mom went to the apartment had the apartment manager let her into the apartment. She searched around, found her daughter, uh, deceased in the, the bathtub, and she was she was face down, and she was blindfolded and gagged. And uh, 
yeah, what a horrible uh, way for a mother to find a daughter. But then, you know, the, the apartment manager actually called 911, stayed there to give a, a statement and everything. And then they looked at this case multiple times. Like you said, they, the apartment was, it was interesting. It, there were clothes that were kind of thrown about, but nothing was really missing. It was just messy. And they were, it, it was like staged. And so nothing really looked right. But the bottom line is it, it went cold and it was cold for almost 39 years. So you fast forward to four or five years ago, a cold case detective was looking at the evidence and realized that the blindfold and the gag, when they pulled them off of Sharon's head, they didn't untie them. And these detectives knew about the MVAC. And so they thought, you know what? Why don't we untie these knots and MVAC the ends of them? So, you know, when, you, when you're tying your shoe or you're tying a knot in something, you, you grab onto the ends of that pretty fairly or pretty uh, strongly. And that's basically what this guy did. And as they were untying the knots, they MVAC the ends of the, of the, the gags, basically. And they got a great profile. And as it turned out, it was the apartment manager. Oh. So he was this 19-year-old kid that was just lusting after her. And he had used his apartment key to break into her apartment, uh, raped her, and then realized once he was done raping her, he realized she recognized him. And so that's when he uh, he decided to kill her. So, but yeah, the, the guts on this kid to, to then just go to work the next morning like nothing had happened and actually let the mom into her apartment knowing that she was going to find her daughter and then stay there and give a statement to the police and everything wow just cold-blooded so yeah that, that was a that was an amazing case to help solve that really is and what i love about that case too is it illustrates how every person along the chain you know did the best thing did the right thing all the problem solving techniques and using the the best things at that time, including preserving the evidence in the correct way. You know, it's like people in the past are are looking to the future and saying someday we'll get there. Talk to me a little bit about certain protocols and policies within law enforcement agencies uh, deem that if DNA has been tested, it can't be retested. Are there any challenges that you face with logistics in that way. We've talked about sort of the mechanics, the X's and O's of pulling the DNA and whatnot, but what things have you run into where people will not recollect or attempt to recollect because existing has already been collected? Do, do you run into anything like that? Sometimes, you know, the biggest thing is a lot of people, once they have tried DNA testing in, in some way, um, and if they don't know about the MVAC, then... Uh, they just kind of look at the lab as the only place where advancements can happen, which is, I mean, the, the lab technologies by themselves have increased. Oh, it's just amazing what they can do now. But if somebody hasn't tested something in the last five or six years, they should probably look at it again. And especially if it's on any kind of a porous surface, even after swabbing, in fact, the University of Chicago did a study that showed that they lose between 60 and 80% of whatever DNA material is deposited on the, on the original uh, evidence. They lose between 60 and 80% of that between the evidence and the lab. So where that disconnect is exactly, we're not exactly sure, but 
based on the number of cases that have been swabbed previously and then MVAC later and still got a really good profile. Um, and the FBI tested the uh, the MVAC versus swabbing as well and did that exact test. And they, they showed that the MVAC, even after swabbing, can collect up to 66 times more than what the swab originally did. So anybody that has a piece of evidence that's been swabbed, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not enough DNA material left on there to, to MVAC it, especially. And you might even be able to swab it and, and with the increases in lab technology, be able to get a good profile. But I'm not sure I'd risk that, if, especially if it's on a, on a rough or a poor surface. I would MVAC it. And then that, that's going to be your best shot at getting a good profile. And it's happened over and over. I have a very basic, likely dumb question. So bear with me on it. Is the Bring it. is the goal? Because I'm literally pick your I'm pick, I'm picturing the the little shark vacuum I have in my office upstairs, and I I doubt that it's that. But um, so is the goal to have like one in every law enforcement you know agency, or is it that to train? Because obviously it takes a, a massive skill set to do it correctly. Um, that to train enough, or to have in every department someone is trained in that collection. Because I'm picturing the logistical costs of, you know, let's say if you have a few labs across the country that specialize in this, I'm picturing, you know, if a, a very rural department, you know, they should have access to. So how does that work? How does the actual deployment of this technology work? And how would, what would your goal be for increasing the value of, or the efficiency or robustness or whatever of that? Oh, no, that's, a, that's actually a great question because there's 18,000 law enforcement agencies across the country. And out of all of those, I'd say maybe two to 3,000 of them are legitimate targets that, that should have their own MVAC system. Um, obviously, every crime lab should probably have one because they service so many agencies and they, they service the prosecution and the defense. So depending on who, who would actually want it uh, or want the MVAC testing, then they should be able to provide it. The bigger agencies... A lot of them are buying multiple systems just because of how many, the population that they cover. But, you know, the kind of the cutoff that we look at is between 150 to 200,000 population that, that a law enforcement agency will serve. They probably have enough crime that would justify, a, a, you know, the capital investment into a system like ours. But if it's bigger than like 250,000, absolutely. Especially a county and, and even city governments that, uh, or city law enforcement agencies that uh, service 250,000 or more, which is, again, a couple of thousand of them across the country, they, they, they not only have the budget, but they also have the need. So an, another case I wanted to ask you about, this is the, the cold case murder of a 12-year-old, Lisa Mitchell Jackson in Montgomery County, Texas. What can you tell us about how the MVAC was used there? Oh, this one's just a heart wrencher. Mm. Uh, well, they all are, but this one, I actually had the opportunity to actually walk down there and, and walk to the crime scene. And man, it, it was, yeah, this was a, a brutal one, primarily because she was swimming in a, a, a kind of a, a little lake about 300 meters from her house. So just right there next to her home and her two older brothers were with her and the, the older brothers decided they were done. And so uh, they started walking home and she was like, oh, I'm going to swim a little longer. And it, it was just minutes after the brothers had left. And uh, this guy 
kidnapped her basically and uh raced it. they threw in in a or he threw her in a truck and um almost hit the brothers on the way out of the neighborhood and so little did these these poor brothers know that their little sister was actually in this truck with it with this uh, just animal of a guy and then just a few miles away they found her like six days later and she had been you know raped and, and murdered yeah that was uh, just a just a heartbreaking case but the 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 way the MVAC was actually able to solve it was uh it was because again because it was able to get down into the fibers of her t-shirt uh and her swimsuit that's how they collected this guy's DNA where they couldn't get it and believe me the the CSI that had uh worked on this case before she she was describing to me how she had swabbed how aggressively she had tried to collect any DNA other than Lisa's uh, off of her T-shirt that she was wearing and literally took two days and swabbed every inch of that uh, of that T-shirt and couldn't get enough. And yet the MBAT was able to get it even after all of that. So that that's another case where it's it's heartbreaking. It's It's just brutal as far as looking at how could you, how could anybody, you know, do that kind of evil to this poor little 12 year old girl? But the fact that they were able to solve it even 40 years later, 43 years later, uh, is, is just awesome. So yeah, we're really proud of that case too. That's incredible. Really incredible. And again, it goes to the painstaking nature of everyone who touches the evidence. And then finally, decades later, thanks to the technology you and your dad developed, here we go. Finally, some closure and hopefully some justice. And it reminds me too, you know, when you talk about how the, the brothers just left for a moment to go back home, it was right close to the house. I remember just recently, Charlotte Cena, who she just said, oh, I'm going to bike ride one more time by myself around the camping, the campground loop. And she was kidnapped and her family was so close by and all the kids she was biking with were so close by. Thankfully, she was returned safe and sound thanks to the good work of law enforcement um, who rescued her. But again, it, it's it's a blink of an eye that can lead to some of these heinous crimes. Jared, thank you so much. This has been such a fascinating conversation. I love learning about this stuff and it gives me such hope for our present and our future and all of those families of cold case victims who are just crossing their fingers and praying that one day they will receive the answers that they've been searching for. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners before we close? Oh, it's just been such an honor, Emily. I'm a huge fan and I, I really appreciate you having me on. And if anybody wants more information, they can go uh, to our website. It's m-back.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel. It's mback systems. Uh, and if you want to learn more about some of the cases that we've, we've solved and, and how it interacts with uh, the different law enforcement agencies, then uh, definitely uh, give my podcast, All Things Crime, a listen. To hear more stories like this, you can listen to our past episodes on the Fox True Crime Podcast. Go to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts to listen and subscribe. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. If you have a story or topic you want to hear on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at truecrimepodcast at fox.com. Thanks for joining us. 
Your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities. Hit subscribe and share this episode. Together, we will bring justice to every victim.